Hey, Alex Terry here. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. We are here to discuss all about leadership, thinking and behaviors. We are here to talk about how to transit from control command leadership to more inspiring leadership with high influence and trust. We are going to deep dive into three components of leadership and performance, cognitive, emotional and behavioral. And talk about how mastering our mind and thinking will actually change our action and results. Our thoughts are powerful, trust me. They determine how you feel, your decisions and actions. Your thoughts are one of the most powerful tools you will ever have in changing your life and career. By mastering your thinking, emotions and behaviors, you will create greater results for yourself, for your family, friends or your team. Focusing on thinking, feeling and acting will improve your confidence, of course reduce stress and empower you and others around you, inspire and improve engagement in your team or collaboration and of course create high performance. I hope you will enjoy our episodes And please don't forget to comment or contact us. Please ask questions. Please send us ideas of what topics you are interested in and we will discuss anything you need. Have a beautiful day. Hello, everyone, and thank you very much for tuning into my podcast. Today, I have a very special guest and we will talk about a little bit different topic. And I think it's very, very great time for this topic. And it's very great time to open up conversation because we know this person can really help a lot of organizations, a lot of people just maybe, you know, brought their thinking about the change that is happening in the world. And I'm not going to do this for long. I would love to welcome Chris Strawbridge with me today. And Who is this person? Wow. Like I can probably say a lot of things because we had a lot of conversations and, and amazing topics. Uh, we talk about leadership, supply chain. We talk about the change in the world. And I was really fascinated by his vision. And and let's talk a little bit more. Chris, I will, I will really give you space to introduce yourself even more and tell us a little bit more about you. Welcome. Thanks, Alex. And thanks for the opportunity to, to talk as well. And Yes, you're right. I'm incredibly passionate about supply chain. Um, and again, I think that passion started as within supply chain, but also kind of materials, material management as well has always been a fascinating part for me is because, you know, people don't understand the importance of material because realistically it's material products and services that are required to, you know, Everything we do, everything we require on this planet goes to a supply chain and it is made up from something as well. And I think for me, what, what we've seen is this lack of understanding about the importance of material as well. So that's why, you know, again, I'm passionate about the topic. Um, and what I could see maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago, is having worked in the corporate world, You can, you can see there's this, everybody's too focused on their jobs and don't really understand the dependencies of a supply chain and the impact of the decisions that are made um, by businesses and what the outcomes are. Because we're all focused on just kind of delivering what we have to do in our jobs. 
Um, and what I also saw is that the within the supply chain, people didn't necessarily understand the interdependencies of supply chain, that being procurement, contracting through to materials, material management, through to the logistics component, to what ends up at the end of the, um, the, the life cycle of the material. And therefore that was my kind of challenge. You know, I kind of, I knew this was going to be the, the way things were going to occur and manifest in supply chain. And then when I started to look at the supply chains of some of the larger businesses, you could see that the, the conversation was starting about decarbonization, net zero, ESG. And I would say you definitely see that in 2021. That was a lot of terminology. Yeah. Um, but again, I think the, the, the intent would have been in 2022 was for a lot of companies to set those targets. But because we've seen so much disruption in the supply chain through the invasion of Russia into Ukraine, the ongoing impact of COVID, that um, you know that target setting, and realistically, the year of the first year of action of, of what they say is that this is the decade of transformation. Now it hasn't really occurred as well as it should have done, and also now the word circularity is, is starting to manifest itself more and more into into our everyday life. So that's really is my focus. So yeah, the, the use of circularity now is, is is kind of a key thing. But again, the problem being is everybody's still tied up in day to day because, and very few people have the op the opportunity to really understand circularity and what it means to their business, and then delve into those ESG targets as well. So, yes, that's the passion, that's the drive to help people understand. First of all, you know how supply chain works, how supply chain works in any business from upstream to downstream and what the impact is of, of that um, supply chain on, on our, our environment, I think, and how we can best, um, you know, stop, stop the degradation of natural capital, which I think is such a great terminology. And I, again, onto that word natural capital, I, I don't think it's something, again, that's understood. You know, what is natural capital? It, it, it's about what, what makes a power planet, you know, stop taking there's this constant degradation of natural capital rather than, you know, starting to understand the circularity of material and how it can be reused. So we end up with regeneration of our natural capital that's constantly being depleted yeah. as well. That means what I, what I can hear from what you're saying is almost like because we have lack of knowledge or we don't have really knowledge, we are actually, we have the goal and it's decarbonization, but we are focusing on the wrong things because it almost feels like we try to change the world, but we focus on things that are not going to help us to, to change the world. And when you say that maybe circularity is, is a better way than just you know cut materials and stop doing something, uh, because it's almost not possible to stop using you know, some, uh, some uh, I guess, like you said, capital, you know, or, or natural capital or something that we use already. Like you just can't stop using that. It's better probably start somewhere else. Is that something yeah. that I, I hear? Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is the, the kind of the key thing. It's, it's getting back to that basic fundamental of, you know, do I need it or do I want it? And what I'm going to do at the end, end of its life. And 
And kind of going back to that first piece, yes, everybody's got a need for for material products and services. Yeah. Understanding, you know, once I've finished with it, what happens to it? Um, and I think, you know, you can see that the European, especially the Nordic countries, have really focused on this incredibly yeah. well. But I just think it's just that information is just not flowing through as quickly as it could elsewhere. But again, you know, it's back to this point of everybody's focused on their, their own job, um, stakeholder, revenue, all of these things are important. So I just don't think it's getting the airtime. I, I think that one of the, maybe one of the points you, you kind of touched on there, Alex, is, is there sufficient education out there to help people understand this? You know, um, myself and one of the, the business partners I've got, Kim Harwood, who's an envi environmental scientist, you know, we've been talking with the, the University of, Technical University of Denmark about using some of their tools in circularity. Yeah. So they've, they've been, had a study project that went for five years. And now we're working, working with that, that team over there to see whether we can use some of their tools in circularity education to help people understand, you know, how you, how you make a circular economy within your business. But I think back to your point, not everything will be circular, you know. Some things yeah. will be, unfortunately, take, make and dispose. That, that's that's got to be accepted as well. But as long as I think as you can validate that's the only outcome, that's not a bad thing either. But at least if you're doing yeah. as much as you can elsewhere, I think that, that's got to be a fair, fair place to be. Yeah, I know your, your approach is to also educate. I know your eco-circular eco circular sustainable sustainable supply chain i think that's that's the is that name of the business right or the new project that you run and yes. and i know that part, yeah. yeah if you can tell us something about that and and why actually all these three different um i guess uh standards that you want to keep to to help people to move forward because i know not a lot of people focus on education or you know help people to understand so Eco Circular Sustainable Supply Chains is, is a collaboration between myself and Kim Horwood. And we were both involved in a conversation um, and we were invited there as two separate parties. But as the conversation went on, it was about operating supply chains and supply bases in, in Western Australia. We both found that we very much had a synergy is that people were just were talking about revenue, profit rather than you know, the whole, the whole piece of the supply chain, what you do with the waste that's generated in your supply chain, you know, how do you manage uh, risk to your supply chain? You know, those things were missing. And, and uh, Kim and I were very focused. And then we, again, we realized that people were just focused on profit, revenue, without thinking about, you know, what's the bigger impact of, of, of what we do in the world. So that's why we we've understood that, you know, Waste is an output of something, and therefore there was an input. And, and what happens is that people that use the product don't know how it kind of got to them. Yeah. They used it. So the output is, is waste, they throw it away. And the people at, you know, at the front end where the input's designed don't understand what happens to the, the product system service at, at the output end. So what we realized is it, within our business, ECO stands for Educate, Consult and Operate. So the first thing being is, you know, we want to help companies understand how you generate waste. You know, 70% of the, the world's covered in water, 3% of that is fresh water, but we use that to 
launder products and services every day and then just discard it again. It's not it's not a yeah. finite resource as we're seeing with droughts. Yeah. So it's a case of how do I kind of minimize minimize my uh, water? You know, how do I minimize the waste going to landfill? So you have to sort of that education. And and when we talk about education, helping people understand that's not just a one-way transaction. It's not, you know, Chris and Kim preaching about circular economy. First, the first thing we need to do is understand what your business does, how your business operates. And therefore, yeah. then we can then provide insights into, you know, how that waste is generated through your supply chain, how those decisions are made, how you then put systems and processes across your supply chain and your tier one, tier two, tier three suppliers to measure their performance within whether it's circularity, sustainability, yeah. um, or, or even, you know, environmental impact. And that's always the intent. So that's where we then kind of get into that consultation process is really breaking down your supply chain. If it's waste, you know, mapping out where your waste generates, why it generates in your supply chain, what decisions drove that to. Yeah. And then when we talk to operate, it's about putting those, whether strategic plans in place or tactical plans at an operational level, but with performance metrics so you can see how good or well you are doing as well. And, yeah. and that kind of goes from, you know, a defined scope of work within a business or, you know, you want to develop a new product or service. That's, yeah. uh, that's really our intent is just to try and make everything as, as yeah. I say as green as possible, but it's not necessarily about being green. It's just about sustainability, really. Yeah. And, and I like the distinction because there is, a, I feel like in sustainability, that's, that is one part of people. They are like all kind of, you know, they have blinds or however you call it, blinds on the, on the eyes, you know, and on the ears. Yeah. And you just, you just kind of going one way and everything has to be that way. And, but there is not still the clear path because we are so far away from being sustainable or, you know, moving to the green. That means it has to be something between that. And I think that's why I love that you come in with your passion because you really want to help people to, to understand that doesn't need to be 100% straight away, but, you know, moving slowly to understand first. And, and after that, when you understand what is happening in your company, in your business, and what impact you have actually on, on the planet, or, you know, what is the waste, what, if, what actually can be even circular in your part of the business. I think that's all very important. And I think it's almost like ages ago, there were discussion that uh, emotional fitness, emotional intelligence is very important to bring into companies. It took forever <laughs> to, to yeah. finally, and it took actually forever plus crisis for three years, you know, over the COVID and all that. It took so much, so long to to have companies realize or have leaders to realize, you know, what this is the conversation we have to have because there is no other way because people need help. Now, I feel like it's, it's the same, you know, with sustainability, circular economy, like we kind of push it, push it, push it. And, but people still kind of are not really responsive, but yeah. it's coming to the point that, that we have to do it. I'm not sure what crisis has to come in this space, but hopefully not. <laughs> no crisis. Well, I think this is, this is where it becomes very interesting and I kind of I will refer back to one of the conversations that you know you and I, I had Alex and I had with um, another group of people earlier this week and it was that it was back to that change management piece yeah. I mean the first thing is you know if I'm responsible for procuring new materials how conscious am I what, what are my key drivers is it sustainability do i understand what my company's sustainability goals are and you know 
that ties back to the United Nations Sustainable uh, Development Goals as well. You know, how, how do they translate down into, you know, the person um, procuring or contracting services? Yeah. Is, is, it a, is it just a cost exercise constantly or is it aligned? And in one conversation I had this week, which was with a professor from the University of South Australia, it was, they were talking about green HR and the, the conversation went well you know what they found is that people were in green buildings but weren't acting in the same uh kind of manner that they thought they would do yes. being the green building was sustainable and they were talking about green hr and i think one of the things was well education is great but then tying it back to you know metrics within uh, appraisals annual performance reviews and my comment was well that's not they know that's there's not there's no congruence there. People are doing it because they've got to, because I'm being measured on it, not necessarily because I want to do it. And I think this kind of ties back to, you know, the conversations you've had. These people yeah. are still making these conscious decisions, and those conscious conscious drivers are yeah. about cost, safety cost, things like that, but not necessarily about, you know, right? Is this the right thing? This, should I be thinking about a different supplier? You know, am I thinking more? subconsciously about the environmental impact of audience yeah. sustainability of the decision I'm making. And, and it's not it's not it's not naturally driven. It's got to be, I think to your point, conscious yeah. leadership as well in that space. I think yeah, I think from uh when we go a little bit in that area, of course, I think from perspective of how we operate uh, human beings is is subconscious. Like we we live unconsciously or subconsciously basically most of our life because we have something ingrained in our behaviors and in our our brain that means when we created a program the program was we need to just make everything with profit and we don't care about anything else we just care about profit and almost it's actually very similar thing because now basically everyone was just trying to get profit and they were doing their sleazy sales you know when it was almost live to people just get them and just get them to pay and, and there was old world that doesn't, it, it's moving, that world is shifting. And and I, I, I'm i doing basically the same thing in, in the same level of being conscious, but being conscious about how we are actually habitual, how we are running companies, but now we need to push it even more into sustainability. That means what is the profit, how we achieve the profit uh, when we rel- relate to people and now we need to add on how we relate to our planet or what we actually do you know how we relate to our environment probably that will be the better expression of that because by now we were just relating to money it was all based on that and i think that shift is happening a, a lot and pretty fast and i i love to see some amazing companies they changing how they think and i think that change needs to happen in sustainability as well leaders need to start to think differently because on that level of collective thinking we will be able to influence emotions and behavior those people will start to have a little bit of relationship with the uh, environment or environmental goals but they don't have it i think because is that what you said you know there is a gap there is no awareness there is no education and and people most of us we don't even know how to start you know to to achieve uh sustainable goals or you know zero emissions it, it's pretty much for a lot of people, something that is not achievable, almost. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, depending on where you live in the world, how how much in your face is the impact of climate yes. change? 
you know, the, the impact of waves. You, you see the, uh, the amount of, there used to be four seasons, they say, to the clothing industry. I think they say there are 12 now, aren't there? Because, <laughs> which is pretty much one a month because the, the way the, the, the fashion industry generates waste. Oh my God. And, and you then you see that the waste is, is sent overseas. It's not accounted for over here. And you've seen in, in some of those African nations where there are just mountains and mountains of clothes piled up because they're not even fit for use over there as well. Um, and, it, you know, it, some industries, you know, have a, a, a lot more to uh, impact, I think, a lot more impact on the environment. and should be held a lot more accountable as well. And that goes back to that whole, well, it's somewhere between its, its leadership decisions back to revenue and all of those yeah. good things. But also, you know, from from government's perspective, you know, how much are yeah. they going the impact on, you know? And it, again, it's this thing, it's just the social conscience of sending, you know, waste yeah. uh, pollution overseas is, is the wrong thing as well. Yeah, I, th I think from perspective, when I'm even thinking about how different like even i have family now here and, and when we do things i do it differently and it's it's funny how you can see there is no education about how to recycle uh how actually bad is you know to leave something on the beach and all the small things and i'm sometimes just surprised when i see people with families uh just just don't really care you know just don't really have that education that actually this is wrong like i'm going to the beach and picking up the rubbish right and yeah. i think I think it's not about me being awesome. It's, it's nothing about that. It's more about it really annoys me or it really actually hurting me just to just to think about that, that we'll end up somewhere in the ocean. It's, it's just not right. And I think when we start to be more conscious in general, like in everything, because we still want to make money as a company. But, yeah. but when if you want to make money as a company, like I just can't believe that you don't care how people see you from perspective of how you care because when you care about your customers, you have to care about planet or environment because it's naturally going together. We are not, you know, we are not disconnected from planet. We are not disconnected from our environment. And we have some nice places now, but, but what if those places are not going to be here in, you know, 100 years later? And yeah, some people say it doesn't matter because I won't be here. But also your kids will be here, your family, you know, someone will be here, someone else will be here. And I think just that I'm not sure if that is coming to being actually a decent person or being like a good person. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's that common sense of start to really care about how our company produces or how our company deliver. And when you think about those, you know, um, heaps of clothes, how how sad is that? Why I wouldn't be the first person in, in the textile business and why I wouldn't be that first person that will change everything and they will actually mm. start to produce only what people need and, and start to have a little bit different, you know, new perspective, new innovation or something, something that will bring a little bit of maybe even news will be, you know, coming to you like, wow, you have this new idea. How are you selling clothes? You just, you know, order something people order something they need and they can't pick it up like all these i think idea like someone needs to start yeah and i think that's that's probably even like when we go at the beginning like do you feel there is a lot of maybe blame and excuses you know like oh, i would like to do it but they don't do it or uh, like that's still kind of missing 
argument maybe like an internal or inner argument of leaders like oh they don't do it as well i'm not going to be first yet because we don't know how to do it it will cost us money and it will be probably hard we will need to change everything that they still kind of wait and push it you know push it away like it is not not a problem well i think there's a couple of things there alex because one you do see is that when they talk about sustainability that whole you know journey to net zero renewables the, the, the technology the technology is there yes but it's still very expensive yeah this is that thing is it, it's a case of yes it's expensive because it's it's only one or two people companies being early adopters and this is where obviously i think you know volume drives down cost as well and that's one of the key things it's so but you are seeing there's a lot more collaboration whether that's the oil and gas companies than the mining companies you know, a lot of manufacturing companies do it incredibly well yeah. already and have adopted this early. And I think that's one of those key things that we're trying to do is that we know there have been a lot of early adopters in the manufacturing industry, predominantly in Europe, and more so in those Nordic countries. And that's what we're trying to do is to help people understand that it can be affordable to be an early adopter as well. And, you know, what are the yeah. benefits of being an early adopter? But one of the other things, you know, whilst it's, it's about sustainability, it's about waste, it's about pollution. For a lot of companies, those kind of byproducts of their business can actually be monetized as well. But until you explore yeah. what it is, you know, you, you won't understand what can be monetized, you know. Um, reducing your, your, your waste, obviously it means you're going to be putting less waste in the ground. Therefore, that, that contract that you use to move your tons of waste you know, you, you just reduce yeah. the cost there. And more than likely that uh, waste provider is using subcontractors and, you know, there's just this constant on cost of, you know, yeah. cost to your business that you can potentially reduce. Potentially, you know, you could be selling, companies could be selling their waste direct to those companies that can reuse their plastic, you know, yeah. their wood, their paper, their steel. So, you know, companies can drive revenue through those waste streams. So you yeah. can't, necessarily because you need it to, to a certain degree and you know you don't want to reuse it yourself or recycle it yeah it, it can be used elsewhere for yeah as well so th those things are the things that you know people need to explore and package that it's not just going to cost me more and what will i do it's there are plenty yeah. of options out there on that journey as well i feel when you when you're saying that just something pop up it almost feels like when we go that individual and collective thinking is still the way that we stay comfortable because the exploring new ideas will be bringing more change uh, and different things into companies. But also it's funny how, like there's an opportunity also, you know, money related, like there is opportunity to create profit and still there is not enough early adopters. You know, there is not enough people that try to even have discussion about this. And look, I, I'm not saying we can change the world straight away, you know, in one month or one week, but how amazing it will be when when people will come you know and try to actually just just have a conversation and brainstorming about the the ideas with people they have knowledge people like yourself just having you know the knowledge in supply chain and opportunities to to use waste or you know do more circular uh, style of, of business and i think 
just to really have that conversation, even just my small business, you know, with you, when we talk, I'm always thinking, you know, how better we can do it. I, I know we do a lot of stuff online, but I'm trying to reduce even the stuff that I'm using, you know, for digital world. It's easy to have million cameras, millions, million lights and all that. I know it's amazing, but you can still, you know, stick with one and it's not better or worse from the other one that you can buy later for 200 more dollars or 1000 more dollars. I, I know it can be, you know, different, but is that really what we need or is that really what we need? Knowledge, education, real people, people coming with passion and, you know, from the heart and really trying to help each other. I think we need that more than new stuff. And Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a heaps of really good stuff going on um, across Australia and we know there is across the world. But I think maybe more of those, I think back to your point is, Alex, that we don't see enough about the good stuff that is really occurring yes. in Australia. And, and yeah, some people were doing some fantastic, fantastic work, but is it being shared as well or even just celebrated that good work? Because yeah. that kind of starts to get that level of momentum as, as well. Exactly. Yeah. I, think you do. I mean, yes, there's a lot of uh, money being put into renewables, into hydrogen, which is fantastic as well. We also appreciate yeah. that there is a to go green, you've still got to get dirty as well because a lot of those renewables require those rare earths and a lot of um, materials yeah. in the mine industry. But yeah, yeah, I just don't think we're really publicising a lot of the good stuff that is going on. Um, yeah. It just, again, becomes that knowledge share. Um, and I don't think we should be, at that point, we shouldn't be ashamed to, to share knowledge because it's good practice as well. Yeah, I think also, you know, when you try something and, and when you're an early adopter and something doesn't work, we should know about that because that's another, you know, part that will be great if someone shared their mistakes or failures and actually we know about that, that other companies can avoid it or make it better. And maybe even, you know, think about that solution and just make it better, that solution, or, you know, upgrade a solution to become better for company and for environment. And uh, I think, I know you mentioned a few things uh from perspective of where is, the gap, where is that gap or in, in I think it was communication that was uh, education awareness I love when you said that celebration of the projects or celebration of things that are happening that's really that will be really great maybe you can bring something next time and and just talk about some something that was very successful but what do you think uh, from perspective of when I'm the company and I really want to start and I decided that, you know, what the circular economy sounds really cool. Uh, I want to speak with Chris, right? Like, what will be the first thing that you will you will help me with? Or what do you think we should we should change? Where we should start? I know that's a big question. I was just, just probably, yeah, a little thing, because uh, I know you have a lot of knowledge in this area and it will be awesome to know, you know, where to maybe first step, first step before talking to someone. I think one of the issues that potentially we have to, to see this um people on this journey is you know the first thing about being alcoholic said this is an alcoholic it, it's that kind of the first thing about you know, admit have, yeah <laughs> have i got a problem and and, and being open that and it may not be a problem but you know it's a case of well it, is is my supply chain a good supply chain you know what do i uh, that's this is my starting point i think is okay you now i'll how good is my supply chain? Because I'll go back to the initial point is that whatever products, service, 
you provide, it has to go through the supply chain process. Would you, would you just jump into that? I know you, you, you're going to continue, but I was thinking, would you think that the problem is actually that people don't think they have any problem? Back to my back to being an alcoholic. You've got to be an alcoholic to start with. Yeah. Well, and it's not, and that's the point. Is it's you know this thing works. The thing we're in works. You know, everybody's safe. You know, yeah. and so therefore it must be okay. But what does okay or good look like? I like. I like the way you said it. It is safe. Yeah. It, it almost feels like that's all coming just from government keeping us safe one way but also very slow in uh, innovations and yeah and you can understand that not having sat in on as a, a customer and a supplier you know from, a, from the oil and gas and mining side and then also as from a, a logistics company's side you know do i really want to open myself up to tell telling people like well i'm not sure if this is good or bad and you know how, how does that look to my peers you know i'm the senior person in this role i should know it's good and, you know we are the best in class and and i think that's the thing for me is it, yeah it's understanding how how good i am you know or is, is my business good or bad and, and i think it's first of all wanting to understand that as well um and so therefore letting somebody else in to have a look and I, it, it can be a bold or brave move for somebody to do because if it, if it is broken and it's vulnerable worry? yeah it's vulnerable but you know well i might as well find out whether it's good or bad and you know that then comes down not just my supply chain but you know understanding the impact of the supply chain the decisions supply chains makes on the operations on the relevant back to that um higher corporate strategy on sustainability does that really cascade down to understand that kind of that kind of conversation so that's the first thing is am i good or bad and being, but being able to benchmark that to start off with and now that might be just a case of unlocking my supply chain how does my supply chain really work you know yeah. how do i measure the performance of my supply chain um and a lot of companies don't necessarily measure their performance against industry-based based metrics because a lot yeah. of people don't realize that they are there and I think that's the kind of first point is, you know, having a conversation about, you know, is my supply chain good or bad? You know, is it aligned to the to the sustainability or an ESG framework of the business? Yes or no? Because what you can do is you take that high level strategy or down and follow it through the supply chain and see whether it's got a link all the way through. Because that could be reducing of carbon. Okay, you know, we, we, we want to reduce, if, even if we're aligned to the new, um 2022 climate bill you know that reduction yeah. of 43 percent of net uh scope one and two emissions by 2030. now if that ends up being in your corporate strategy okay where do the emissions occur in my supply chain and how am i going to help the business yeah. meet that, that goal and unless you're already bringing getting it down to that level and if we've got a commitment to reduce you know waste within our supply chain you know by 20 percent okay let's just see how that cascades down yeah. into the supply chain so you've got that then you've got that metric that's overlaid in your supply chain and then ties back to your esg framework yeah and that's when you can kind of monitor people's performance and also the performance of the supply chain as well yeah i think i like when you said uh, <laughs> at the beginning we talk about vulnerability you know and, and let someone get in and help you and i think 
when I when I take it to the leadership perspective or behavioral and emotional intelligence, when we think about that, that's what we teach in, in leadership. You need to be vulnerable. You need to actually know your strengths and weaknesses and you need to welcome feedback to be actually a great leader. That means from that perspective, when you think just that uh, model of thinking that is really improving companies and pe- or people, it can be easily adapt, you know, that supply chain and, and being vulnerable and how important is that actually to, to show someone and ask someone for feedback, you know, are we, are we doing that great way, not great way? Let's have, a, let's have a look where we can improve. What is our gap? And I think having expert for that, it's, it's not even, you know, that costy just to have someone get in, you know, and really analyze what is happening, just the diagnostic. It's probably hard for you to do but you know it's, it's not that costly that company had to have special budget for that that means when you think about that especially when you have massive supply chain when you have big company that i think to fit in that that cost just to an- analyze where really you can improve and and when maybe small thing that you can do uh, just you know reduce emissions i think we all can do it i think it's it's actually not that hard it's just really being aware and, and i like when you mentioned that because it really reminds me how great leadership is. And even though they will have, let's say they will slow down because now they will start to focus on supply chain and and, uh, emissions or zero emission uh, goals. But when you think long-term, what I believe all leaders should actually think long-term and not about, you know, small costs. Now this month I have bigger costs, but how that is going to influence the company and business long-term. Imagine that there will be early adopters. They will realize what they do wrong, what they can improve. Now, now, today, they will start to improve where they can be compared to people or companies. They are not doing anything, you know, in 10 years or five years. They, they can be winning everything. They can they can have great supply chain because there will be also people in supply chain. They will want to work with people. They already have the goals achieved. That is, it will be all kind of mixed, mixed up, I believe. And, and to be... I guess you know visionary and leader that's probably the way to go in my, in my opinion that you really need to adapt fast it's not any more time to to wait in any company we have changing markets we have changing environments we have changing everything you know governments policies everything is changing because this is really new world i i believe in a lot of different industries and in a lot of different categories when we think about the the life and you know being and running the business and yeah I just feel like I want to say just don't wait (laughs) you know that's that's probably what what came up from what you said because it can be really helping businesses a lot in long-term run well it it can do and that's I think that's the key thing as well to be an early adopter you will you potentially end up with a competitive advantage against across your um comparable industry um, peers because you're an early adopter you've and i think my view is and i'll, I'll use the word mis- mistake is an early adopter you're afforded the opportunity to to make mistakes you know not get it right the first time back to your yeah. point about sharing information but if you're an early adopter and you're making errors you know mistakes on that journey i think you you, you kind of you'll be forgiven for those because you know at least yeah. you're you're trying trying to do something and i, I genuinely yeah it will be um can could be a competitive market advantage in that business so you're right so because you back to your point it could sound counterintuitive but at the same time no it could be that's where the, the, the growth of 
revenue for big businesses will come from. Yeah. Early adopters, disruptors as well in the industry yeah. as well. Especially when you start to look at some of the reporting standards that will start to come out soon. You know, as we say, we know that Europe's a, a very progressive in the world of sustainability. We know that the international um, financial reporting standards are looking at what they're doing in with the European Sustainability Reporting Standard. You know, that yeah. can translate, you know, if this is a requirement to public registered companies in Australia. So you can see it's going to cascade very, very quickly. Um, yeah. And more so, not just about scope one, scope two emissions, but back to this conversation about sustainability as well. Yeah. Tied back to the um, United Nations Sustainability Development Goals as well. Yeah, I definitely feel, or, or I can see that there is there is a lot of actually profit, you know, in the future for people that will be early adopters or for people that will really uh, get on that journey as fast as possible because the world is changing. And as you said, you know, Europe is there first. They're re- pretty much ahead of us. And they will maybe missing as well some suppliers. And, and, you know, therefore they will look around the world. And if there is something in Australia and they can actually um, meet the goals, it's it's great, you know, because you can actually gain more business in general. When we talk about money uh, from money perspective, because I know people are already tuning into probably from perspective of profits, you know, and, and making money. And I understand that, look, we all do business because we need to make profit. It's <laughs> We need to have vital and viable business but um what do you think is uh is the is the biggest or i mean we talk about vulnerability and people don't want to get people in you know like it's really like they want to keep it they don't want to show that maybe something is wrong in their supply chain but what else do you feel is a is an obstacle or is is a problem like why we don't have more people why we are not actually why australia is not even early adopter you know like why we are not not there why we are not ahead There's a lot of things, right? (laughs) That's a lot of things. I think because the the onus hasn't. I think it comes back to that that key point again is about how much is it really. um, I mean, say in our faces day to day, how many of us are really actually impacted by things like climate change? Yeah. You know, when we're talking about this circular sustainability. Yeah. That that's what realistically is is the impact. How conscious are we of those issues? You know, here on the West Coast, yes, we, okay, there's the, the fire that's raging around Cervantes to Durian Bay now. But if we look at the East Coast, you know, the floods yeah. that they've recently had, which is, which is terrible, but those floods are going to subside. There's going to be so much water that we know that's going to then generate so much vegetation again, which potentially hot temperatures will generate more. Um, uh fires as well so it, i think it's about how conscious you are of whether it's in your kind of um face day to day i think that potentially is but yeah i suppose it's a hard one to answer really alex because you know a lot of businesses have their own drivers so for me to answer for those would be, would be quite hard i think but generally yeah. for day-to-day people it's because unless you're impacted by it, it again it affects your decision cycle yeah and again, in a big corporation, depending on what those drivers are, you know, we decide yeah. that decision-making cycle and strategy as well. Yeah. Um, and maybe previously, un- under previous governments, and I'm not a political person at all, 
Um, you know, you've seen this under the Albanese government. It's come up again back onto the profile with the Abbott, Abbott government. It kind of it, it dropped off quite. Yeah, yeah it's well. the regulation. So I think it, it's back to that. You know. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it should be the social conscience of shareholders, board members as well that kind yeah. of as well. But now, I wouldn't be able to really and maybe give give us well, I haven't given us a succinct answer to this at all. I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of lot of reasons, I believe, and and I like what you say. You know, it's it's not in our faces that much, and and it's also when we talk about uh individuals it doesn't doesn't need to be you know someone who owns the business but but all of us we don't really have it in our face we don't even know we don't even know that we, we just don't really recycle some stuff we are trying to put plastic in our you know yellow bean and we still don't know where that actually ends up and most of them ends up on the ship and it's going you know to be recycled somewhere else that means also already like small things like that i think yeah we don't know about them we, we don't like you said you know like we, we don't have information I think there is really little awareness about what is happening and and therefore there is not even pressure from individuals because when you have companies and they start to you know pressure and when you think about supply chain when there is small business um in, in a supply chain they will want to change because there will be pressure but but that's probably something we need to change as well from government perspective like of course regulations you know new rules that will have massive impact on that but maybe just put it really more into face of people like really showcase what is happening and and just bring awareness maybe that that will be the first step i guess from perspective of how we can change if we don't have awareness about something in in general when we are talking about thinking patterns or behavioral science if we don't feel like we need to change we don't change we, we just don't even think about that if we are not aware of something that is wrong we don't even bring conscious decision making we, we just run on our habitual old program from childhood and we are still the same i think that's that's where the change needs to happen i guess first because a lot of companies they know or a lot of people say when i'm talking to people about sustainability they said you know yeah yeah that's a problem some people say that's not a problem it's it's yeah. all just made up that means it's it's such a polarity in opinions but but there is no explanation from each side actually how it is in, in real world. And I think because that's the missing information, because why do you think it's not a problem? And why do you think it's a problem? It's, it's not clear. And I think that has to be clarified as well. As well. I, I think that's a really good point. It, it is a good point. Yes. Is it a problem or is it not a problem? And it depends on who you talk to. And also what, what you read, what you watch as well, kind of forms your opinion as well. Um, and, that, and that's that is the problem. But I think um, there was a, a what, there was a UN report that did say the reason people don't change is because it's not visible. Um, yeah. The impact of it. So yeah. And, and I think that maybe the messaging is not succinct anymore. Because if you, you go on to LinkedIn, Facebook, anything, you know, if you look at circularity, there are so many forums talking about it, it you end yeah. up with this this overwash of information in a case of yeah. that's just too much now yeah. and it's the same so it depends on what you read and what forms your opinions i think yeah, uh, yeah. and that's another thing you know you need to have interest because you read only what is really interesting you and because it's such a new topic to to really go, I, I can't say it's a new topic, I mean, in our faces, because it wasn't in our faces at all before. 
And it was just only a few people, you know, talking in the world about um, global warming or, you know, any other uh, green stuff. And it was just slowly coming. It was really kind of warm up, but nobody really took it seriously at all. Like people around me, like I, I know a lot of people, they took it too seriously. I know a lot of people, they don't really care. And I think just to probably start that movement is even more to think about how to make people interested, how to make people actually stop and pause and, and really start to think, okay, is this correct? Is this good? Is this great for environment or not? Yeah. Just, just, just that one question, just to build in our heads, uh, being more conscious and just ask that question when we are shopping, do I really need it? Or I can actually, I just do it because I just want to have fun or I just do it because I can. I really start to think about how conscious we are as individuals because i know we can i can't just step in and change the whole supply chain but at least when it start you know from people they're shopping and they will change the shopping behavior they will be having impact on companies because they will need to change the behavior and production but it all starts actually from us that's the same thing when you think about inflation when we when we have everything so expensive you know inflation inflation is crazy but people still buying People still buying, buying, buying. That means we actually keeping that and we pushing <laughs> it up, right? Instead of just pause and and say, you know what, I don't need it. I'm going to stop it because I don't want government to do this, you know. And I don't want the world get crazy expensive. But we do it. Yeah. We just we just we just shopping still. <laughs> well, and that's yeah. the thing. Even if you look at the, the the family household, it's it's the supply chain that they're operating as well. Yeah. You know, there's a need, but back to the point of do I know where it came from do I understand what's going to happen when I finish with the you know the packet of chips yeah. or, or whatever it is I bought what back to your point as well so you're operating every operation supply chain that there's a want and a need which is food and you know all the yeah other and it's you always know, based you've got to go to the supermarket the warehouse to pick yeah. what you want and, and you're making those decisions all the way through you know you you've got your logistics chain which is driving your car to and from You've got your inventory is what's in your pantry, yeah. your fridge as well. And it, it's making those conscious decisions about, yeah. Yeah. What you do. And your point's brilliant, yeah, absolutely. But it's not embedded thinking. It's And I don't know, even to that point of how much education at schools goes into that, that whole mindset thinking of, you know, it, even to the point like the Barefoot Investor talks about that, you know, children are taught kind of, not necessarily technical school skills at school, but not life life skills, and that back to that kind of the decisions I make from my decision making cycle and what drives it. It's honestly, if I'm just talking about myself, for example, because I can actually take myself as an example. I wasn't very conscious I, I, when I was younger. You know, I, I know I was I was buying when I had uh, great money. I just I just bought everything because I wanted new stuff and. Uh, and honestly, I was very, very subconscious. I, I just did it. I, I just really didn't think about environment or anything. And it is because it wasn't a big topic back in back home. It wasn't really something we didn't even recycle when I was a child. Like there was there was nothing. It wasn't even conversation. That means that habit, you know, came with me. And I'm 44. That means it's it's my generation, you know, back um, probably in Europe, maybe here as well in Australia. It it is really something that is not natural to us. But but what when you when you say like what it is about how we can change it, I think what helped me, first of all, I was around people, I met a few people and and they had these big goals. And it, I just started to be interested. It's like, oh, mm. what is that goal? Like that sounds different. I never heard of that. 
And I started to kind of read about that and, and just listen to them help me. Now, was I conscious straight away? Not, but I was starting to think about it. When I when I said about, you know, picking the, the rubbish and stuff, I was like, this is it. This is at least I can do this small thing. And, and I can actually wash my plastic and, you know, I can wash it and put it to the bin, not, yeah. not dirty, you know, and, and same with glass and all that. Like, I didn't know about that. That was all kind of news for me. And when I was, when I was learning about people like yourself and, you know, more people, they have the sustainability goals and visions. And I started to think about the planet and what will happen and how I can buy things. And I saw McDonald's, they're all full, you know, and they're still building more and more McDonald's. And I'm always thinking, why we do this to ourselves? And I started to not educate myself only in sustainability, but I'm focusing more on um, conscious living. That means I'm, I'm focusing on self-leadership, self-management, and I really want to I don't know how to say it, you know, I don't know how people call it, but I, I really, I'm on the journey to be that person that is always happy. And, and I'm most of the time happy, right? Like okay. I internally or in a, from inner world, I don't want to be annoyed and I am not, I'm actually getting to the point that I really can accept everything and everyone. And it's absolutely amazing feeling. And when I started to be more in that space of consciousness and learning about our thinking and how actually everything is it's starting here. I'm more and more conscious because I know it starts there. I don't want to yeah. do things subconsciously because I want to know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like I want to know what I'm doing every decision, you know, why I did that decision or make the decision. And and I like that because you're learning so much about you, about yourself, about emotions, but also about other people and how they relate to each other. That means actually that education really helped me to be conscious about everything, all part of my life. It's not only what I eat, what I buy, but also how I use things or what I read. And, and all these kind of things, it will change everyone's life, I believe. But when people start to really educate themselves and all trainings and, and stuff that I learn and conversations like we have right now, it's just so helpful just to really have conversation about that. And I think from that perspective, I think people can change and it's not going to take so much, maybe five years. <laughs> it took, <laughs> took me a little bit longer, but I get things a little bit slower, but I love to get things properly. You know, I really love to implement them. That means it, it really took me time, but I can say that I'm not going to buy some stuff. I'm not going to stop in McDonald's <laughs> just to let, 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 just to let you know all these silly fast foods. I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I know they are not very sustainable and they're not very healthy. That means it's all kind of like those small things, you know, like you start to actually create new program in your brain. And I think that's what we need to do when we try to be more green and sustainable and think about what we do with our rubbish, with our waste. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's one of the things that I'm very conscious of that on this journey, that there is that, support and assistance of leadership the, the leadership in fact you like you said it's been a journey that you know leadership the teams under under the leaders you know need that support about how to make that that transition and that yeah. move to subconscious thinking as well so that's that's definitely one of those things i know for me is key as part of, of what we're trying to achieve with helping companies move to a kind of greener sustainable circular supply chain as well yeah Chris I really love this conversation I think we can continue another hour <laughs> but what, what I would like to do maybe let's catch up again let's do uh, another topic maybe let's go a little bit deeper into into challenges and solutions and maybe next time we can talk about some solutions and ideas 
um, in the supply chain and how to actually make it better for your company and business. And yeah, if you agree, I would love to invite you to another one, another episode. <laughs> great. And hopefully yeah. maybe we could be joined by Tim Hall with the environment. Yeah, that would be yeah, that would be great. And uh, what I would like uh, what what I would like to do at the, at the end, uh, the the two things. First of all, if you have any kind of small advice or things that people can do, or maybe what they can read, or what is the you know quote or something that you would like to end up this show, and also where people can connect with you. I think if I had to quote anything, it would be maybe yourself, Alex, there, which is, you know, take that journey because you've obviously done a great job about making those, you're making those conscious decisions. But it's about, I think the key thing is it's got to be something you also want to do as well. That's, yeah. definitely, that's definitely the key, the key thing for me. Um, I think for me, if I, if I kind of gave anybody a recommendation about wanting to understand more, about the circularity piece is to visit the Alan MacArthur Foundation website. That will give you a great insight. And again, there, there are tools there that can help people better understand, you know, the maturity of the circularity journey that they're on. Yeah. And then myself and Kim can be contacted at uh, ecocssc.com. Our website will be launched later next week. Um, we'll go to contact us and we'll talk be able to talk to circularity sustainability and optimization in supply chain yeah that's awesome i'm really looking forward to see the website and uh, i will actually share the links in a podcast description that means you can actually connect with chris uh, you can contact us with any questions as well if you have any question for chris that will be also great if you can submit it and we can actually talk about them and answer all your questions next time at the next episode i think that can be a really good idea just to get some people interested and see what are actually questions out there i will definitely wait for your insights and uh, i will let you know when we are back with chris thank you so much for your time thanks alex thanks for your time as well thank you